Dennis Stewart, welcome along for Health Naturally today. And today we're going to look at legs and feet. Well, the health of legs and feet. (laughs) I thought you'd lead it in from that perspective, Jane. Yes, look, we're going to look at legs and feet from the point of view of looking at some of the things that can go wrong with the legs and the feet and the way in which complementary medicine may be able to uh, play a role in uh, dealing with some of these stubborn problems that can be quite compromising. Legs and feet, how does complementary medicine help in managing them? Now, what are some of the big problems Mm, that mm. um, are caused? Well, look, the first thing we should say, Jane, with reference to this is that any problem associated with the feet or the legs needs obviously to be looked at and investigated medically and feet problems um, are frequently and mostly managed well by qualified podiatrists. I see my podiatrists at least a couple of times a year and I would recommend listeners uh, with any foot problem to take advantage of the skills of a podiatrist who are not as well known, in my opinion, as what they should be. Uh, So what I'm going to say about complementary medicine is prefaced on the basis that it is complementary and reinforces or assists in the management of feet and leg problems, which may not be doing as well under the orthodox management techniques as they should be. Uh, Leg problems particularly, swelling of the legs, uh, redness of the legs, inflammation of the legs, uh, pain, pain associated with swelling and redness, obviously could indicate something fairly serious uh, to do with circulation, potential clotting. And again, I say to listeners, anything we say about complementary medicine helping leg and feet problems is prefaced on the basis that anything like that has been well and truly screened by your general practitioner. Listeners know that I always recommend any health problem to be prefaced, investigated, and that is where frequently complementary medicine can come and play a good role. To give you an example, a good example of where complementary medicine uh, practised on a knowledge basis, uh, that is not just, oh, here, try this, but on an understanding of what natural drugs do, uh, can carry out a job of work which is sometimes remarkable, uh, sometimes, if you like, even saving uh, a leg or a foot. Now, people might think that's going over the top. 40 years in this profession allows me to reflect on cases where complementary medicine has reversed the prognosis, the medical prognosis of, a, of a feet and leg conditions. A good example would be, uh, subsequent to the earthquake in Newcastle, I started practising in Broadmeadow, and I well remember a very elderly lady presenting who had a very, very nasty, very nasty erosive ulcer on the ball of her foot, which had been there for quite some time, was being well monitored, had been well investigated, and I presume well treated by her vascular surgeon and even by her GP and others in the team that were trying to help this condition. It wasn't responding. And the prognosis that was given to it was that, look, it was beyond resolution and the patient would have to seriously look at even an amputation scenario. And this was a very elderly patient. That's, that's quite a significant it outcome and, for and, an and ulcer. Yeah. It is indeed. And, uh, and I had never seen a lesion like this and was reluctant 
to participate, but again, the lady said that there were no other options open to her, and I believed her. What I did was fall back on my emerging knowledge at that stage of the potential of new of two new natural drugs, as I call them, that is basically two sophisticated herbal medicine preparations uh, made in Europe uh, with a reputation in Europe, and that both of those natural drugs or herbal preparations had a reputation for dealing with uh, peripheral, circulatory, diabetic uh, complications, particularly dealing with lesions, wounds and ulcers. And so I prescribed orally at that stage the emerging uh, herb or preparation based on ginkgo biloba. And I also reinforced ginkgo biloba with a sophisticated preparation of vaccinium metillus, which is bilberry. Those two herbs... um, are still to this day two remedies that I believe are underrated as far as their potential to participate in chronic, unresponsive conditions, threatening conditions, usually ulcerous conditions, not always associated with diabetes, but frequently associated with poor circulation. The prescribing of those two herbs over a lengthy period of time and the topical dressing of that ulcer with honey ointment, saw that woman's foot saved. That's and amazing. And as, as a result mm. of that, I wrote a paper for a well-known Australian company and did a lecture tour using that as an example. Now, not every case is as responsive as that, but this is an example of where I believe a sensible understanding of the active chemistry of some of these natural drugs and what they do as far as circulatory improvement as far as their ability to address inflammation and healing is concerned, this is an example of where these preparations in complementary medicine that is being used in conjunction with or an alternative to or an option to think about, particularly when the mainstream approach has not done the job. Now, I'm all for the mainstream, for goodness sake. We were fool not to be. But again, I come back to the point and say that even medically, I believe, in this area of peripheral lesions of the feet and, 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 the, and the legs, it is my contention that some of these natural drugs, particularly the two that I've mentioned, are not really appreciated as they should be. And I'd love to see more general practitioners go to the literature, look at the references, and see the potential of these two natural drugs to assist in some of these lesions that are hopeless sometimes to manage medically. There's an example where, as a much younger practitioner, I proved the benefit of natural medication, two sophisticated, modern, European-based herbal medications in addressing a serious medical condition and resolved the condition so successfully that the woman's foot was arguably saved. Health Naturally on 2NURFM, and, well, George has rung in, He's from New Lambton and a topic dear to our hearts, I think, Dennis. The benefits of red wine. That's what you'd like to know about, is it, George? That's right. Hello, George. I'm, uh, I'm glad to see that you're interested in the fruit of the vine. Mm. Um, I might remind you that our dear Lord himself at the marriage feast of Cana was quite happy to produce the best wine. Uh, undoubtedly, he was an appreciator of, uh, of this wonderful substance, um, I live in the Hunter Valley, so I obviously have a predilection 
towards good quality wines, and I must give the hunter a plug and say that we make some of the best reds, in my opinion, in the world. And uh, my favourite, of course, is what's called a Shiraz, or some people call it Shiraz, but actually it's pronounced Syrah. And uh, it's a good ren- it's a good rendition of a red wine that is characterised by a high level of what we call resveratrol. Now, resveratrol is a particular, uh, I'll try to keep it simple, a particular form of flavonoid in red wine. Resveratrol, a particular form of flavonoid. The flavonoid is what's known as an anthocyanidin, which gives to the grape its particular colour. Now, red wine has been attributed with, with many properties, but a, se- a sensible use of it. And let me emphasise this because I would hate my listeners to think uh, that Dennis Stewart is a wine bibber or is, is, a, is, is hooked on red wine. I enjoy red wine, as so does my dear wife, although she loves Merlot. I don't mind Merlot, but uh, the virtue of the red wine when used in moderation uh, is that it can improve the, the health of the blood vessels. And I'll keep it simple. The argument is that it has a strengthening effect on the blood vessels and it tends to work, therefore, against cardiovascular problems. Um, as, as well as that, the, the resveratrol um, not only has a benefit on, on the vascular system, but um, it also is considered to contribute somewhat uh, to an improvement of one's experience of ageing. And that's why it's been argued that drinking red, red wine properly good quality red wines and red wines with a high content of resveratrol is one of the best things that one can do to assist one's uh, body in resisting some of the physiological uh, factors that occur in ageing. So my use of red wine is uh, based on the fact that, okay, I like it. I follow the New Testament examples. Uh, the Apostle Paul, remember, said a little wine for the stomach's sake. And I emphasise this for all my dear conservative listeners out there who might think that Dennis Stewart has become an alcoholic in the end of his life. He hasn't. But I drink red wine because of its vascular benefits and my understanding that resveratrol is so associated these days uh, with anti-ageing claims that some have in fact extracted the resveratrol from wine and produced it as a supplement. There's a lot of contention, however, that resveratrol separated from the red wine does not give the same properties that resveratrol in red wine does. Now, there's nothing new with this because frequently when we extract a chemical constituent from any natural substance, uh, we in fact uh, don't see the benefit that we should see because substances in a food, and red wine is a food, substances in a food are part of a team. And when you extract one constituent, even if you think it is the major constituent, and turn it into a supplement, not always do you get the team effect. So I've tried to keep it simple. Cardiovascular benefits, anti-aging characteristics based on its antioxidant properties. That answer your question, George. Yeah, yeah thanks very much. What, what uh, one glass a day? Okay, the uh, regulations, or I won't say the regulations, the stipulations are two glasses, or two drinks a day, as they call it. Two drinks a day. Now you can interpret that 
which way you like frequently on beverages that contain alcohol, they will have on the side uh, one drink or... A standard drink, a standard so is drink. the term they use, Yeah, isn't that's it? a good point, Jane. Yes. I can see that you're, you're knowledgeable about this too, Jane. I read labels too, <laughs> okay. Dennis. So, so, <laughs> so frequently you will find on the, um, on the bottle or the container or, the, or the, uh, whatever it is, contains so many uh, drinks, if you like, and two standard drinks a day is what's recommended, particularly for males. All good. Okay, I appreciate your help, Dennis, because we I have one after dinner of a night. Well done, well okay. done. Okay, I'm a, I, I look. I encourage listeners to take advantage of of cultures such as the Mediterranean culture, where uh, wine is an integral part of it, and is considered to be a contributor to what I've spoken about. But again, I say there's a big difference between enjoying a good quality, and let me emphasise, if you're going to drink wine and red wine, get good quality wine and a sensible use of it, like you're doing, in my opinion, can only lead to uh, better outcomes. Excellent. Thank you, George, for your call. Uh, We'll move to Fern Bay, and Peter joins us now. Um, Tinnitus, ringing in the ears you've got, have you, Peter? Yes, yes, yes. Peter, this problem is a, is a problem that frequently uh, crops up on this program. And again, with tinnitus, I'm, I'm presuming that uh, listeners know what it is, but tinnitus is, if we call it uh, simply noises or ringing in the ears, it's a very yes. common condition and uh, it can vary in its intensity to the extent that some people are literally uh, nearly driven mad by the intensity yep. of the ringing, whereas others may experience in very moderate levels that comes and goes and doesn't present a problem. In your case, I'm presuming your good doctor has investigated it and maybe sent you along to a, to an ear, nose and throat specialist? Yeah, I haven't been yet, but I just thought I'd, I'd try okay. you and yeah, okay. uh, well, look, see if there's anything available. Okay. Follow the guidance of, of your GP because um, tinnitus can be associated with a lot of um, things that are changing in the structure of the ear, but frequently tinnitus defies, if you like, an adequate explanation. And this is where, in that situation, the use, uh, what I call the chronic use. Now, when I talk about the chronic use, I'm talking about a treatment that goes on for quite some time. A chronic use of the herb that I've already mentioned today, um, the, the, the German preparation, when I say the German preparation, the German development of ginkgo biloba, which is a concentrated extract uh, from that herb, uh, which gives it not only benefits, as we mentioned today, in, in circulatory conditions, but interestingly also benefits in other things, and one of them is tinnitus. Now, if you're going to try it, um, you're going to have to stay with it for some time. Where pe- people do stay with it for some time, and this can be you know, quite a few months, quite a few months, where people right. do where people do stick with it, I have seen people benefit from it, and I'll say some people benefit from it. Only a, a, a quack would say this is the solution, but I yep. I've been in practice a long time, and based again based again on the literature, particularly the European literature, a chronic use, anything up to six to nine months, 
uh, is what's required to to conclusively demonstrate that this thing might be helping you. Now, the thing is also when you take it, and this might be wise for you uh, to see your pharmacy up there because your pharmacist would be able to uh, give you a preparation of ginkgo that would have standardised levels of the active and your pharmacist may be able to give you information about an optimum dose that might be yep. useful for this condition. But that, that to my, in my opinion, is still to this day... Uh, one of the best things we've got to offer. To a new RFM, health naturally. Roger has rung in from Windale. Slippery Elm, you've had some success with that, Roger. I certainly have. I've uh, listened to Dennis's advice a couple of weeks ago and uh, had to go to Slippery Elm Bark capsules and uh, I couldn't believe the improvement I experienced. What sort of problem did you have, Roger? Digestive I uneasiness in the stomach quite yes. regularly, yes. indigestion. Yes. Um, and I tried this slippery almond, I think I'm probably ringing about eighty five to ninety percent better than I've ever been. That's good. And isn't I it? tried the uh mono sweet pea leaves and uh it's just compliments the whole business. So I'm mm. I'm a new person at eighty four years of age. Well, you're not doing too badly, are you? It's, it's, it's worthwhile listening to this program, Roger. <laughs> I can go back and open another bottle of red wine now. Well, I'll be well, yeah. it, so yeah, one of those. Two, two standard drinks. I've got a standard glass here. It's a pretty big one, though. <laughs> okay. That's why I said that. I think Jane came in and said we talk about standard drinks because they are apparently dictated to as far yeah. as their content. But no, look, uh, that's a good result that you got. But look, I'll say this much, Roger. It's not unexpected. Um, no, I, I believe so. I, yeah. I, I, really, I really get disappointed, Roger, because I've been promoting the virtue of some of these simple natural medications all my life, and on, on, the, on the verge of retirement, I'm disappointed that uh, some of these things are still not appreciated as much as they should be uh, within the mainstream, and even, well, our pharmacists are, uh, have got a good handle on, on most of them. But I'm disappointed um. because I think that uh, Slippery Elm uh, is, is one of these almost a standard uh, remedy to consider for most gastrointestinal irritations and inflammations. And again, I said, uh, I think the last time I spoke about it, it's the great regulator of transit time in the gut. So uh, that's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? That's but, uh, good. And it's, it's, it's easy to take. Uh, so well done, Roger. I'm impressed, and I thank you for ringing up and, and sharing, uh, and sharing that benefit yeah. with us. Thank Thanks, you, Roger. Thanks, Roger. And we'll move to Coralie, who's rung in from Madawi. Uh, Coralie, you've, you're suffering from a, a constant cough. Um, yes, hello, Dennis. Hello, Coralie. It's not actually a constant cough. I've had it investigated. Yes. I've had a barium swallow. Yes. I've had the esophagus enlarged. Yes. And the specialist tells me it's globulus hysterica. A glo- which- yeah, they, they call it globus. And it's, a, it's a, sometimes described as like having a, a golf ball in the throat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I know that condition. I know a number of people that suffer from it. It can be quite distressing. Do, it is, yeah. Do, do I, you, I can't breathe sometimes. Do you get any relief from it? Uh, yeah. As soon as I go to put something, in, eat something, yes. it's like the food sits around, okay. I start to cough. Okay. But I don't know what it is. Okay. Look, <laughs> it's almost as if you had a condition known as dysphagia. 
Now, that's a technical term, and listeners will say, for goodness sake, what's he talking about? Dys- uh-huh. Dysphagia is a technical term uh, explaining the uh, inability to be able to, to swallow properly, that the food, in fact, can, can it's, in some situations even block um, the, the esophagus and cause quite a distressing situation. Globus, uh-huh. globus um, may share some of those sorts of symptoms, uh, but... Um, Interestingly, and perhaps fortunately for you, fortunately for you, there is is a, an American herb again, one of my favourite remedies, um, which is known as cramp bark. N- note cramp. that down, cramp bark. Uh, cramp. Cramp bark. Yeah, C R A M P. Cramp yep. bark. Uh, yep. Its botanical name is Viburnum opulus. That's its botanical name, Viburnum opulus, and. It is one of these remedies that is specific uh, for swallowing conditions, even uh, such as dysphagia. Uh-huh. Now, the reason I'm bringing it in here is in your situation where you have this globus situation, a sense of something uh, uh, blocking the, your throat and it's sometimes distressingly so, it, uh-huh. would be, it would be worthwhile you're getting hold of some uh, cramp bark. Now, you have a pharmacy up there, and I think Gavin's still up there. Gavin. Way. Yes. Yes. Um, Would he have it? Look, Gavin, uh, Gavin may have it in his dispensary. He's a very knowledgeable pharmacist and um, studied under me many, many, many years ago. A good man. Yep. Uh, uh, yep. Have a yarn with, with Gavin. Talk, mm-hmm. to him, talk to him about cramp bark. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reference to it in Simon Bill's book, The Dictionary of Modern Herbalism, which we may have used in the course many years ago, which talks of it being used in dysphagia. Talk to Gavin. He should be able to get it for you. If not, he can contact me and I'll organise it for him to get hold of. Cramp bark okay. in the right dosage, worthwhile a trial. Excellent. Does it matter if I'm on, on Parriot and stuff like that? No, look, it has no ability whatsoever to clash with that whatsoever. Uh-huh. Okay. All the best with that, Coralie. Um, yeah, and hope it brings improvement. David has rung in from Booragal. David, you've got a problem with... Well, we were talking about foot health earlier and you've got some calluses on your feet you're concerned about. Yes. Hello, hello David. Um, hello. T- tell me about your, your calluses. Um, have you first of all have you have you had them looked at? Yes, I have had them looked at. Um, all they did was uh, shave them a little bit and put a bandage on it. Okay, mm. you, you you saw your podiatrist, did you? Yes. Okay, and the the calluses keep recurring. Yes. And you hear, there's been no suggestion that uh, things like inserts or. Uh, looking at different sorts of shoes might have any benefit on it at all? No, no, I haven't had anything like okay. that suggested. And now, are you using anything topical on them, putting anything on them? No, not at the moment. Okay. Look, it's a long shot, but it's worthwhile trying. Um, comfrey ointment. Now, comfrey um, yes. is a herb that should only be used as a topical uh, application as a cream and particularly in an ointment base. In an ointment yeah. base, a comfrey has a reputation of breaking down uh, hard lesions of multiple forms on the skin. It's easily available. It's worth a, it's worth a try. It's not expensive. Comfrey ointment, it must be the ointment. 
It must be uh, in a, uh, how can you call it, it must be in a, a greasy type base to give it the softening that's required in order to convey the best effect from comfrey, comfrey ointment. Talk to your pharmacist about it. I'm sure they'd be able to get some for you. It's worthwhile to try. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart and lots of calls from you, which is lovely. Karen has rung in from Whitebridge. Karen, uh, your son has Lyme disease, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Karen, the first thing I would say, of course, is that Lyme disease is, is a controversial disease, as far as I'm aware in this country. You probably are aware of that also, that um, there's a little bit of well, there's dispute about whether or not it, it is a, a problem in this country. Lyme disease is associated with the uh, with the tick bite. Yes, you probably definitely. you probably knew that. Now, has, has your doctor taken it on board to attempt to treat it, or is is he um, a little bit dubious about it? Uh, he's yeah, it's for my son. He's come up against a yeah. lot of obstacles yes, um, yes. as far as medical treatment yes. because. Um, we so-called don't have it in Australia. No, that's, that's um, right. So, but, but he definitely has been to many doctors and specialists okay. and yeah, tried a lot of things. Okay. Look, what I would, what I would say here is that um, I'm aware of people that are being treated medically for this condition. Uh-huh. I prefer not to uh, mention it on radio because it is yes. a controversial situation and I do not want to be seen to be uh, promoting um, anyone or anything particularly of such a controversial nature. What, uh-huh. I, what I would say, Karen, is I would be quite happy uh, to uh, talk to you privately about this okay. and, and indicate to you um, where um, some medical practitioners... Um, uh, or take this on board. Okay, uh, and yes. I, and I, uh, it's interesting that only yesterday in my rooms at New, Law, New Lambton talking to a patient of mine who lives in, in, the, in the country whom I'm, whom I'm helping um, for, for, for multiple problems, uh, she also is being treated uh, by, by a fairly well-known um, doctor who <laughs> is... Um, Treating her for Lyme disease as well. Okay. Uh, so, uh, give me give, give me a ring privately. Again, I don't want to be seen uh, to be um, promoting something of such a controversial nature. Ring me, ring me. Okay. okay. Thank Karen, you so much, Karen. Stay on the line, and I'll get Sally to give you the number if you would like, and then you can get hold of uh, of. Um, of Dennis and follow up on that. Now, uh, Julie has rung in from Thornton. Thornton. Julie, yes, you're in Thornton. <laughs> and you've got a, a problem with toenail fungi. Yeah. Hello, Julie. I think that's what you call it. Hello. Now, you've, you've had your, your toenail situation looked at? Yes, yes. Um, yes, I've been to podiatrist, had laser... Um, yeah, been to the doctor. Um, what did was, you, your GP prescribed for it? Yeah, but oh, terrible things. They made me feel so sick, so I stopped taking those. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I, I know the medication, but never mind. Oh, Look, shocking. Uh, there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple of things here. I'm not making light of it, please. Uh, but yeah, that's okay. There's, there's a couple of things that I would suggest you try, and you may well have tried them already. But um, there's a significant. 
um, mm. basis for saying that the topical application of tea tree oil is, use, right. is yes. useful Tried for this. That. Maybe didn't try it perhaps now this, long enough. This is the thing that I, I say again to people that are going to use Mm-hmm. Such such a natural drug as tea tree oil. Now, when I use mm-hmm. the term natural drug, I'm talking about natural medication. But but tea tree is yeah. a significantly medicinal substance that has a proven antifungal characteristics. But again, okay. if it is mm-hmm. being used topically, uh-huh. it is something that must be persevered with. Is is uh-huh. is the fungus? Um, Related to one toe, multiple toes, or whatever. Just one toe. Yeah, okay. Well, look. What I would suggest. And we the other thing is we've tried too is oil of cloves. Yes. Well, and my husband's still trying that on his toes. Yeah. Well, look. Oil, um, oil, oil of cloves is very good for toothache, but I've not read too much about it being used for. Oh, okay. For fungal. It looks. Okay. It's it's very. In fact, I think there are still some uh, dentists huh? that will use oil of cloves. To handle uh, handle toothache uh-huh. conditions. The other thing about cloves is too that it's not well known, but as a topical uh, a topical application, it's very very good for facial neuralgia, and that's a wretched condition. Wow! But look, I would suggest mm-hmm. that give uh, tea tree oil a, a go on a daily basis. Perhaps when you're sitting down uh, watching the box at night. Uh, although I've just about given up on the box, but if you sit, if you sit down and watch the box, put uh, say some tea tree oil on on a bit of, of cotton wool, and just uh, dab it on. Um, give it a good good dose if you like. Um, the thing with tea tree oil, however, is like all essential oils, um, there is the potential for irritation. But if you use it sensibly, you'll know if you're doing too much or too little. But a daily or nightly use of it. Would be worthwhile persevering glass with. Uh, well, there you when go. When you sit down with your glass of red wine, well, <laughs> you, you, probably, you, probably, you, you probably wouldn't notice the fungus then. So, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> but now, the, the other thing is, if that doesn't uh, help, there yeah. is a particular preparation known as tincture of myrrh, M Y R H. Now, okay. myrrh, myrrh is, is, is an old biblical herb. That's right. Um, but not many people know that it has remarkable antimicrobial characteristics. Tincture. And a, a, a tincture is, um, is a preparation of myrrh. That is, the, it's a liquid preparation, uh-huh. well-defined in the literature. Myrrh, uh-huh. myrrh applied topically also, if uh, tea tree oil doesn't do the trick, would be worthwhile trying. Tincture of myrrh. Could you just, could you just use myrrh like, as far as oil? Would that work or not? Uh, no, look, tincture, no, of myrrh, tincture. tincture of myrrh uh-huh. means that the herb has been extracted in an ethanol uh-huh. basis and the active chemistry of it has uh-huh. been dragged out of the herb, taken into solution, and, uh-huh. and on that basis it can be used as a topical application again by applying it, say, with a bit of cotton wool uh, regularly. There, there are two things that I would try. Excellent. Thanks for your question, Julie. Stella from Cook's Hill. Now, your question's about skin tags. That's right. I'd Hello. like to know how to get rid of them naturally, please. Stella, I hate to say, but I'm not aware of anything safe that might be able to get rid of skin tags. Now, I'm, I know I'm disappointing you. Uh, and I know some very caustic substances that would do the job, but they might be very dangerous. I think if they're troubling you, see your GP and arrange for them to be medically addressed rather than try something that might be um, detrimental. 
Okay, well, thank you anyhow. Thank good on you, Stella. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, Dennis, what a lot of uh, a nice wide palette of questions. It was very we've interesting. Had today. And we, we we stimulated a whole lot of business for the hunter wine industry, yeah. which is good because it might need a bit of assistance at this time. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good program. But look, we didn't say very much on the the problem of feet and legs. I'd love to take that up, and we will take it up again next week with with listeners. We spoke about the remarkable benefits of the modern preparations of the ginkgo. A lot of people might be fascinated with the ginkgo. Um, as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm aware, I was the first to lecture on it at a Blackmore seminar at Balgala many, many years ago. I was the first to develop a liquid preparation based on the leaves of the ginkgo, leaves, by the way, which we gathered along the roadside adjacent to uh, a very well-known private school. <laughs> I could tell you a story about that. We didn't take too many of them, but we used the leaves and made an extract, which was pretty well ineffective because it had to be concentrated to do anything. But if you go to places like Japan, the ginkgo is almost worshipped. It's an amazing sight to see because people don't realise that ginkgo is one of these plants from another era. It shouldn't even be here. And the thing is, it has remarkable resilience to urban pollution. Remarkable mm, that is ability. Good. So, so uh, perhaps we can all <laughs> well, build up. What a I bit guess of what I'm saying is start to plan ginkgos. I'd love to see our, can- our council um, plant some ginkgos around the place. Uh, we've got too many gum trees, but uh, we haven't got too many ginkgos, and they're a remarkable decorative tree, <laughs> which would break up the monotony of the gums. I shouldn't have said that, should I? You Not should have said correct. that, but they wouldn't drop their branches the way gums can, I suppose. <laughs> That's true. They they have those beautiful um, amber-coloured leaves on them in the fall, in autumn, and it's those amber-coloured leaves that are, uh, are harvested from commercially grown ginkgo, in, in particularly in Europe and Japan, because the amber-coloured leaves have the most active principle in the most active flavonoids in. So we've we've still got a minute to get your story. (laughs) Can we fit it into a minute? We can fit it into a minute, but before before I try to do that, with reference to the bilberry, we've spoken about its benefits this morning as an agent with ginkgo to promote peripheral benefit. Let me just say, let me just say this that like the ginkgo, the bilberry has multiple health benefits and all of those are well documented. I keep coming back to this point, Jane, of things being well documented because sometimes I think people may be a bit sceptical about what I say. What I say I try to base not on my experience only but on the literature which has encouraged me to use these things. Bilberry, as I've said on this program frequently and will reiterate, is one of these herbs which anyone who has diabetes, should consider as a supplement to use ongoingly as a potential benefit in resisting diabetic retinopathy and other diabetic complications, even one that we were looking at this morning that may manifest itself in in varicose conditions uh, and ulcerative conditions. So there's a bit of a summary on the two herbs. We'll take up more next week to look at other health problems of the feet and also our legs. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. 
You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.